Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Make and Gain Trace of Soy, the podcast all about surviving and thriving on a plant-based, zero-waste lifestyle. I'm your host, Rochelle, and if you're new around here, welcome to the podcast. So psyched to have you listening today. If you are a regular listener, welcome back, and thank you for coming back each week and catching the episode. I really appreciate it, guys. Um, If you are new around here, you won't know this, but we do do shout outs on this show. So if you have any questions or suggestions or topics that you'd like covered, just hit us up on Instagram. We are May Contain Trace of Soy or on Facebook. We are on our 20th episode today. So yay, happy 20th episode to us. We've been at this for 20 weeks, which is super exciting. I really appreciate everyone who has joined us from the start and everyone who's listening now. I'm going to be interviewing in this episode. I will be talking with Harry Bowman, who's been vegan for 40 years, and he runs the podcast Vegan Life, which was formerly known as The Vegan Hour. So we're going to get straight into that interview now. I am really excited to bring this week's episode to you guys. We are going to be talking with Harry Bowman. Harry has been vegan for 40 years, which is so hugely impressive. He also runs the podcast, Your Vegan Life, formerly The Vegan Hour, and he has had that podcast going for about five years now. He runs vegan meetups, and he's just got a fantastic point of view to bring to us. Welcome to the podcast, Harry. Thank you so much for having me, Rochelle. That was a beautiful introduction. Thank you for being on. I really appreciate you giving a bit of your time to the listeners today. I just, you know, it's really great to have you here. My pleasure. So I would love to kick this right off with talking about your vegan story because 40 years as a vegan, that's a long time. It's a reasonable length of time. And I used to think it was some sort of a record, but I've actually got a few friends that are longer than that. A friend in Sydney that's been vegan, I think, uh, what's it, uh, 50, no, 63 years, I think now. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. And even a few um, few friends in Brisbane and that that are hitting around the 40 year mark too. So it's not that unusual, I'm finding, you know, so I'm, I'm meeting more long-term vegans. But certainly... In 1980, when I went vegan as a 16-year-old, I felt like the only vegan in the village So, (laughs) (laughs) and for the longest time. So, you know, I look back, I look back now with hindsight and just think, wow, that was, you know, that was, but that's, that's just a reflection of sort of the the sort of person I am in that um, I don't follow the mainstream. I, Mm. I tend to look outside of the mainstream if, if everyone's doing a certain thing i'm going to look at it and say well that's probably not the thing i should be doing <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. as a 16 year old i had i had my acne i had acute acne and i'd had it for a couple of years and the doctors were saying it wasn't related to diet and uh, that was an early introduction for me to how little some doctors knew about diet or how little they've been trained about it. Mm. And uh, so I uh, just out of, I don't know, good fortune or whatever you want to call it, a book landed on my lap uh, called The Mucusless Diet by uh, Professor Arnold Errett. And it was actually written 
almost a hundred years ago now, which is amazing. So he was, this guy was a long, you know, ahead of his time, but he was curing in in Europe. He was curing thousands of people or tens of thousands of people by putting them on what we know as a raw food diet, a raw food vegan diet, and also uh, giving them uh, sunshine, doing fasts, doing enemas, connecting with nature. His whole approach in his book it blew my mind as a 16 year old. It was, it was mm. called the mucusless diet. And I just read this book. I pretty much restarted my life from that point. <laughs> I was like, this is day one, you know? So literally overnight, I, uh, I started following his advice on, on how to remove mucus out of your body. And, uh, this was, um, this was at the, on a Friday night, if I remember correctly, that I started, uh, this, this change, I went raw, raw food. And, uh, by the Sunday, by the end of the weekend, uh, there was quite a clearing up of my acne. And by the end of the following week, it was all gone. And that was all the proof I needed that what he was saying was absolutely correct. I was now uh, running the experiment on my own body. You know, that if you put the right fuel in, your health will dramatically improve. So I went from as a 16 year old with um, really bad acne to to clear skin and just a whole new lease on life a new way of looking at the way that our bodies operate and and this whole new understanding of of we need to be more natural in our approach connect with nature um revere the whole all the all the things that that has been given to us by the universe you know sort of just instead of working against them work with them so that's that was the start of my 40-year journey and it didn't start it started from a health perspective so obviously and it didn't start so much from an ethical perspective but at some point in all the in all the different people all the different vegans that I've I've interviewed over the years there comes a point with it where if you start your journey from a health perspective you have to embrace the ethical side of it and Mm -hmm. and if you don't then in my opinion you're not really fully a vegan You're, you're just doing it more sort of maybe for personal reasons rather than for the reason that you're actually against the suffering of other living beings. Yes, because the definition of vegan, and and I'm sure I've mentioned this before to my listeners, but it is about, you know, removing yourself from causing any harm to animals or using animals for anything. And that is the basis of what veganism is. So when you just do the diet, you're really more plant-based. If my listeners are confused about that, they can check out my episode, um, vegan versus plant-based, the rebranding of veganism. So you guys can check that one out, but um, back to what we were discussing. (laughs) Um, yes, it's so interesting, isn't it? The way that even though a lot of people do come to veganism starting from a place of health or from a place of climate change and environmental yes. concerns, they wind yes. up in that middle, you know, with the, the yes. animals because that's really at the end of the yeah. day what it kind of comes down that's to. That's what it's about. Mm. That's what it's about. And that what I love about uh, the understanding, the philosophy or the understanding is that it, it is our natural condition to be compassionate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're expanding that or extending that compassion, not just to the animals, but we're ex- extending it to each other and to ourselves in, in back to ourselves personally, and also to the environment. And what I love is that your reason for being vegan should always be number one for the animals and everything else is a benefit. You become healthier because of it. Your, your body, your mind, uh, your emotions become healthier. Your environment that you live in becomes healthier. Your connection with all life becomes healthier. So 
everything is a benefit you know you just go this is great you know we're we're being of service to the animals we're doing the right thing by them but we are getting benefits ourselves even though it's a selfless service we gain so much from it that it is you know it's just it's just beautiful and for me i've learned over the years that i use the term ahimsa which is an an ancient sanskrit word and it means compassion in thought word and action and it really is a way of life that i started pretty much started at age 16 in in earnest when i read uh, Arnold Eretz book. So um, I tell you what, that just talking about that, that book is still available. I've got a copy of it here somewhere. And uh, another one of his books called Rational Fasting. And I still swear by the advice that he gives. Mm-hmm. Um, he's long left his body, but I uh, swear by it. And there is a, a, a large worldwide community of people that still follow him and have the Facebook groups and so forth. So if anyone's listening and going, hmm, I wonder what the mucusless diet is about. I'd say, you, you know, you can pick up the book. You can go online and order a copy and, and we'll uh, drop check a it link out. in the show notes guys if you yes. want to check out that book we'll drop a link in the show yep. notes for that one yeah. the mucusless diet so we'll yep. definitely pop that down there i think veganism leads people on a lot of different paths and for me it definitely mm. led me towards a path of intentionality because it makes you think mm. a lot more everything in your life becomes more intentional it made me explore minimalism it made me become much more mm. aware of my effect on the environment and to move towards mm. a more zero waste lifestyle as a result of that so it definitely brought together a lot of intentionality and living with intention and i guess stepping away from mindless purchases mindless consumerism you know uh, stepping away from just walking through life I feel like I live life now as a result of the flow on effect really of moving towards I, it. I love that. I love, and that's something that society, uh, well, people individually and society, society collectively um, has to do because of sort of the, the problems that we've created in 2020 and each year that goes by the, <laughs> the problems that are yeah. getting worse because when you just start digging a little bit and you look at the and environmental concerns and the pollution and the destruction and it's heartbreaking it's just so you know out of control and you realize that we are destroying things that can never be brought back again and so mm. you know not just are we wiping out species of animals at a a ridiculously high rate but we are wiping out different types of, of plants as well and, and different types of, of landforms and so forth. Uh, I don't know what the correct technical term is there, but, but we're just wiping out things that I read about this and I just go, wow, this is something that, you know, when I was younger was, was common and now it doesn't exist anymore, whether it's an animal or it's a type of terrain or something like that, or it's an atmospheric condition or whatever. It's like, it's, it's now been replaced by pollution or decimation or whatever. That is so sad and, and a very strong uh, indication that, that uh, society in general has gone in the wrong direction. Mm, and yes. I like that you mentioned the word intention because one of the things that I say is is based on intention that when our intention is to do no harm, we find a way, not an excuse. Mm. And I think when you come from that right intention as you've been doing, then this is what you do. You go, okay, you change your thoughts. You go, okay, how? what's a better way I can do this rather mm. than just blindlessly going down the consumerist yes and you reject that convenience culture that we've come to live with you know because we live with a level of convenience that is unnecessary 
And, yes. you know, yes. I mean, I live in an apartment in the city, but we are composting now by taking our compost to a local composting hub. And Excellent. it wasn't something I considered doing because we were in an apartment. And then I researched it and went, I found somewhere we can drop it off here. We're going to start saving our scraps. So see, yeah. you found a way. See, mm. that's, and that's what it is. When your intention is to do no harm, you find a way, not an excuse. Instead of just going, oh, I live in an apartment. It's too hard. It's, you're in the city. I mean, this, you know, this is not going to work. It's like, no, 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 no. Find a way. And if there's not a way, create a way. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, and I think yeah. we're all seeing those more sustainable living lifestyles within larger cities as well. And it's so wonderful to see mm. how people are mm. adapting, you know, mm. wanting to live in this more meaningful and intentional way. Um, mm. but within the large <laughs> yeah. cities. So, yeah. yeah. There are amazing stories worldwide around that without going on about too much, but there are people that have managed to be able to grow in sub-zero temperatures. They've been able to create uh, greenhouses uh, that are just massively impressive and they've been able to grow in deserts and, and think it's like they've looked for a way and they've found a way. And damn it, I have so much respect for people that do that. I'm just like, yeah. this is, you know, it's in, so inspiring. So I love it. <laughs> it is. And I think there's so much, as much as there is a lot of doom and gloom out there in relation mm. to the issues that I cover on this podcast, you know, environmental stuff and obviously the animals and the welfare, mm. there is so much good that's happening out there too. There are so many positive stories coming out and people finding yep. ways to do this. So it's not all doom and gloom and there's definitely... <laughs> no. Yeah, there's some hope we for just, the future. <laughs> we just we just live in a time where we, because of technology, we get to see the the extent of unfortunately the bad, but we also get to see the good as well, and we get to see it instantly, and we get to see it live streamed or podcast or whatever. So, you know, that's that's one of those things that we have a tool now that can show us how bad things are, but can also show us where people are doing what they can to try and make things better. So I think it depends where you want to focus, you know, so we, we mm. need to be aware. I think it is important to be aware of what's going on without getting so bitter about it that you feel disempowered. And once you're aware of it, then it's that intention. Okay. What can I, what can I do? about it and i think this is where yeah. it comes to we have to have a a degree of balance in our lives in order to you know stay focused on the right track and not get dragged down by the negativity sometimes it's not always easy as you would no. well know and 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 listeners would well know it's very very easy to wake up one morning and go damn it this is <laughs> we're screwed <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah it is. Yeah. So, you know, every yeah. positive step people make out there is a step in the right direction. And it's so mm. good to see more of it happening. Yeah, um, I'd love to chat a little bit about how the accessibility of veganism as a lifestyle and as a mm. movement has changed mm. in the 40 years that you've been a part mm. of this, because you would have, I'm assuming that when you started, there were no places that actually offered vegan meals and you would have had to veganize. That's, yep. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Um, it's gone from being a case of, say, back in the early days, I would do almost all my shopping at a health food store because that was the only place that would have vegan alternatives. To now, if I'm go when I say do my shopping, I mean I, I, my majority of shopping is at an organic fruit and veg stall at the market. So that's where I get, you know, like I was down there this morning and got all the organic fruit and veg. But for the, you know, the pantry staples, you know, like maybe mm -hmm. tahini and oats and things like that. I do all of that at a supermarket now because it's at a supermarket. I, I had, they hardly even know me in the health food store now. I used to live there in the <laughs> old days you know, and would hardly ever visit the supermarket. So there's an indication of how much it's changed. 
a point I want to make about that is that I realise a lot of that change has happened because of you know market forces. In that it means that there is there is the market for it, which is fantastic, and I still try to as much as possible support the ethical companies that are responding to that market need. So if I go in and I see um, that there is somebody doing say a vegan ice cream and they are a fully vegan company, mm. I'm like great oh, look you guys are taking a risk you're taking a risk by, by by having a company that's originally catering to a very small part of the market so i want to support you guys you know rather than say a big multinational or whatever that's decided there's a bit of money to be made and we're going to bring out a vegan ice cream and i'm like okay that's cool that's a sign of the market is getting bigger but yeah. <laughs> you know let's try and support the companies that are actually really putting a, 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 you know, people, they're just people like you and I that have said, we want to make a change. We have an intention, you know, it's going back to what we were saying earlier. We have mm. an intention to do the right thing. So we're going to start up a business and we're going to try and make a go of it and all the rest. Let's support these guys. That's, that's something I'm very, very passionate about and have been doing probably a lot in the last 10 years because we've started getting a lot on the Gold Coast here, a lot of vegan, uh, fully vegan restaurants and, that's been like heaven for me. It's like, wow, you know, when you're a long-term vegan and you couldn't go out and eat at a fully vegan restaurant and now you can, and you don't even have to ask, is this vegan or is that vegan? You just order anything. That's like mm. heaven. I love supporting them, you know, as the number one priority. So that's, yeah, that's sort of my take on how that's changed so much is that it's gone f from hardly anyone knowing about it to it's a massive market. And I have so many friends that are, that are not vegan that bring up veganism to me in relation to going and it's and i'm impressed they'll say oh have you seen that new vegan such and such it's on the market and i'm going and i stop and i just think this is interesting you're not vegan and you're actually selling it to me i love it yeah isn't that fascinating <laughs> it's so it is so it's so cool and uh, you know and i've had some amazing conversations with these people and i'm just i've realized that it's it's in the psyche it's it's so much there compared to even 10 years ago yeah, even five years ago but say you know as compared to say 40 years ago it's just it's just there you know the word is and if you google it the word is just so used now you know the word vegan so people are aware of it there's a lot of activists that are they're bringing it up um and it's coming up in the mainstream a lot which is fantastic they're being interviewed on morning breakfast programs and that around the world in the UK and the U S and Australia and so forth. So you, it's harder to say you don't know about it. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's like, cause it's there, you know, and it's in, it's in the press, it's in papers. Look at Woolies and Coles bringing out their own, you know, well, they, I think they call it plant-based yeah. um, their own, but their own ranges, you know, bringing I'm like, wow, this started happening a couple of years ago in, in sort of, you know, more intensely. And I remember saying to my, uh, my PA, actually, I just said, this is incredible. Her and I were just going, this is amazing. <laughs> we just got, It's like, can you believe this? I was showing her that and going, Coles is doing this now. And we're like, we always thought it was not real, but that's a really, really, I'm pinching myself still. That's a really, really great change. So Yeah. It's fantastic, isn't it? And yeah. it's a very positive association that a lot of non-vegans have with vegan marketed food now as well. There's been a mm. real shift in the public perception of vegan food yep. and people yep. who aren't vegan want to try yep. it because they want to yep. know what it's all about. It's a great, <laughs> right. yeah, That's it's right. great. It's bringing people to it. It's so fantastic. <laughs> right. Yep. 
yeah so now there's been there's been a few different uh, examples i've seen of that where they've uh, deliberately trialed a vegan product with people unaware that it was a vegan product and they've gone oh this is great and then afterwards said to them you know this is vegan they've gone wow there's no way I could have, you know, it tastes like meat or whatever their, whatever their taste buds are used to, you know? So mm. it's like, yeah. yes, and it's cruelty free, you know? And it's, it's, yeah. What's the, uh, what's the saying? Um, if you could be um, happy and healthy and, and, and cause no harm, then why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think more people are realizing that doing it is not going to mean giving anything up because there are exactly. so many great alternatives now. Yeah. Yes. Yes, so that the really mass, helps the massive, people. Yeah, well, the massive companies that have that have done inc- incredibly well uh, in the last couple of years was in Impossible Burgers and and um, Beyond Burgers and and those those sort of uh, companies that have done incredibly well by bringing out a, a product that is a um, taste wise, texture wise, even its 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 aroma and everything is a is a duplicate mm. of what a person eating animal products is used to. So it's really coming down to, okay, here is an alternative that is not harming animals. So if, if you still want that taste and that aroma and that, and that texture that you're used to, you now have something on the market. And, you know, sometimes people say, oh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a bit dear. It's like, yeah, but the prices are coming down and they're actually getting very com- competitive or close to competitive now. So because it's early days for it yet. And, and yeah. they've, done, they've done massively well so far. So the market is there and definitely the awareness is increasing at a rapid rate. Yeah. In fact, actually on that point, there is a thing called a tipping point where a certain percentage of the population, I can't remember what the percent is. It might be 10% or something when a certain percent of the population. Yeah. When that percentage is reached, uh, there is a rapid change. So consensus, general consensus in a population will rapidly sort of explode beyond a certain point. And we're getting closer and closer to it. Yeah, I agree. I think we're getting really close to it. And I think even the people who maybe not, they've not gone vegan, but they've just become people who eat a lot of vegan food. Like they go out a lot, they buy vegan food, they try new vegan food. And it's just this, you know, gradual thing, bit by bit. They're getting there. (laughs) You know why it's happening? Because usually in a group of people going out, there will at least be one, two, three, whatever of that group that are vegan. Right. Mm. Now, this is how it's changed in the 40 years that they, they're not the only vegan in the village now. There's going to be a few of them in a group. And it's got to the point where their mates that are not vegan will actually have the vegan food for them to fit in, not the other way around. And, you know, it's like so the vegans are actually encouraging their non-vegan mates to, to try their vegan food. And they go, geez, this is great. And mm. I've, I've heard numerous stories of people having vegan food and their non-vegan mates going oh can i try some of that you know because and they're going this is fantastic why didn't we order this you know <laughs> so that's that's the way the world has changed so yeah. it's safe for us to, safe for us vegans to get out there and socialize mm, so good <laughs> So I'd love to chat a little bit now about the community that you've built for vegans um, on the Gold Coast with the vegan meetups and the way that you kind of bring people together. When did that idea originate? Was that a result of the podcast or prior to that, it? No, that was that originated nearly 10 years ago now. it's a, it, The group oh. is called Vegan Life, which is I run through a few different formats. Um, meetup.com is the main one that we've been running it through for the last, I think, uh, six years now. Has um, oh, about over a thousand members in Meetup. And then we also have it now as a Facebook group and we have it in a few other different places. But 
that came about originally as um, as a an avenue to provide vegans with a I could almost say a safe space, but not so much a safe space, but just a social outlet for vegans to get together and feel like they're on the same page. So it's like, okay, we're going, we're, we're eating the same food. We're talking about the same things that we love, the same concerns that we've found. And so it started with that intention and it, it started prior to me because it was, I, I took over a group um, that was a Brisbane based group. I took it over in 2011, oh, I think, and ran it for a couple of years, maybe somewhere around there. And then in 2014, uh, I started vegan life as a, as a separate group because the other group disbanded. So, and um, what is interesting is that in that time, the need to have a, a vegan social group is it, it's different now. It's not so necessary because, because of the awareness and the change in, in society in that it's, it's still, people still love it. They still love coming along and, and, and we've got a good, a group of, of friends that have been coming along for years, which is, you know, which is wonderful. And we, we, we have um, two events a month, one in, one in a park where people bring along the vegan food to share and one in a fully vegan restaurant where we're supporting the restaurant. And we're also, you know, having a, a fun time throwing food at each other. No, we don't do that. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, actually sometimes we might do, but <laughs> those pesky but, um, vegans always having food fights. <laughs> They've got, they've got no manners. They've got no idea, but anyway, always enjoying themselves. What were they thinking? But um, it's a beautiful thing to uh, see people come along that are vegan curious, if you want to use that terminology as well. They want to learn. They want to see, you know, what's involved and whether they come along in the park where, we're, where people are bringing along their own recipes and they can go, wow, what's that? And, you know, and so they can learn firsthand or they're coming along a restaurant and they're discovering new restaurants. And constantly I get that people going, oh, we've never been here before. This is great. I'm going to bring my friends here, you know. So it's supporting the vegan community. It's providing a, an area for, you know, for socializing and that. And it's, yeah, it's, I think we've, we've created a lot of friends uh, and a couple of enemies. No, we've got <laughs> a lot of, no, no enemies, created a lot of friends in that time. So um, yeah, so it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's wonderful. I think um, having a sense of community is so important for people when they're sharing an experience like that. And also as a way to learn more, because as much as, you know, we've been saying in this episode, there is so much awareness and, you know, there so many people understand now and they know what goes on. There's still so many little things about being a vegan that you realize over time and just little things constantly clicking. There's so many ways in which your life does require veganizing once you go vegan all the little bits and pieces around your home, all the little elements of what you purchase, whether it's for the bathroom or for the kitchen or whatever Mm. it might be. And Mm. I think it's so helpful to have other people around that you could talk to about that and, you know, share those tips and share that sense of community. What I love about it is how much I still learn because I, and and I realize, you know, listening to, to other people in the group, I realize how much I don't know, how much I have, to learn we always you know we should always sort of try and have that 
mindset, if we can, of, of being humble enough to realize we don't know at all. Just because I've been vegan for 40 years, um, some of my closest friends will tell you I don't know anything. So, <laughs> so God, God bless them. But, <laughs> but, 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 you know, and I'll hear things, I'll go, oh, you know, my ears will perk up. I'll go, oh, can you tell me more about that? I didn't know about that, you know. So, you know, whether it's learning about vegan products or, or um, something to do with with the lifestyle or whatever or life hacks or something mm -hmm. like that but it's just beautiful to have that society of people come together because for the majority of time that i've been vegan i didn't know any other vegans so i'd have to say mm -hmm. for most of say the first 30 years i did not know any other vegans did not have it really was a solo journey so and now it's 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 the opposite now i've sort of you know um i've gone from being somebody who is very much actually a, a loner it's very much it's very much a um a social misfit uh, uh, who who would prefer to just take an afternoon nap with 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 my, the world's gorgeous most gorgeous vegan cat uh keeping me company i've gone from i've gone from that sort of lifestyle to someone that's got thrown into the uh, into the limelight if that's the right description a little bit because of just running the vegan group and and doing the 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 uh, the live streams and that as well because it's just sort of it's brought me out into the uncomfortable <laughs> public eye and i can tell you i still just retreat into the shadows as much as i possibly can <laughs> because you know we all have some people just thrive on it you know some people thrive on being out there and 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 uh, for me it's um i i just i like my alone time it's you know that's 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 different things for different people i don't know how we got onto that but yeah <laughs> I, guess what I'm, I guess what i'm saying is that you know what the way uh people see me whether in the group or uh doing the live streams or whatever is not the person that that if somebody has a relationship with me and gets to know me really really closely is not how i am when they when i'm at home with that they, they two different people there's the public Harry and the private Harry. That's really interesting. So you would identify then a little bit more as an introvert talking about how you require that time alone to recharge, which is obviously yeah. the definition of an introvert. How did you find yourself in a position where you've chosen to take up a public space and a mantle to be out there I, talking about veganism and the live streams and the podcast? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a uh, either what I would call an extroverted introvert or an introverted extrovert. I'm not sure. It's probably better than some extroverted introvert. And I'm actually surprised. And this is the one that always surprises people when they find out. I'm actually diagnosed with social anxiety, which was like probably 20 years ago now that I was diagnosed with that. And people meet me and they go, no way. There's no way. You're too outgoing. You're too positive. You're too, you know, jubilant and all that. And, you know, that's a, that's a, a long sort of topic to go into, but basically, you know, it, it, touching on that, a person with social anxiety can find many, many different um, ways of coping and uh, ways of, of developing. Again, I'll use the term safe zones uh, or escape, escape routes, basically. So the things that I do in the public eye are set up in the way that I have an, I have an out if I, if I, if I find it overwhelming. So I don't try to overwhelm myself. I've, I've been in overwhelming situations and I don't handle them well. You know, it's a, it's a long story, but basically live streams are great because I'm uh, either doing it in person with one other person or one or two other people, I can handle that. Or if I'm doing it on the computer, like I'm, I'm doing the podcast with you now, easy peasy, but you know, it's different things for different people. I've, 
wanted to interview people over the years that have said, oh, I'd be too nervous to come on a live stream, you know, and I've gone, look, I totally understand. I'm nervous to go on somebody else's. <laughs> <You> know, <it's, laughs> I totally understand. And there's been some great people that I haven't been able to interview because of that, you know, and so, and I respect that. I respect that we all have limitations. We all do some things really well and other things that we just have to realize our limitations and maybe try and do what we can to slowly chip away at things that we want to be better at, you know, by yeah. experiencing them more and whatever. So, so to do what I do today in 2020 or done for say intensely for the last five years to run the group, to do the, the live streams, that took a lot to get to that point. I mean, that really took a lot. So it doesn't come natural for me. If, if I'm going out, what's natural for me is to go out with, with a close friend and we'll have a, a private meal together and that's it. To go out and be in a, in a restaurant with 30 or 40 people, you know, and running the event, that don't come natural. And that takes a lot of psyching up to do. But, but the rewards are that I do get a lot out of it in that I do feel sort of empowered and I do make some beautiful connections. And, I, and I'll just finish off on that topic by saying, it all really came about through the love of my now ex-wife who basically is or was when we got married, the opposite of me. So very, she's very socially anxious. She would get up in, and I've seen her do this, get up in front of like a couple of hundred people and get up on a stage and just talk like no problem. Uh, I, I was nervous sitting in the audience watching her. You know? <laughs> <laughs> when we married, she wanted to get out and about. I was happy sitting at home being the loner. And she was like, no, I want to meet people. I want to, you know, she's social. She wants to do that. So she got me out of my shell and um, the rest is basically history with, with that feeling of support. Uh, I was able to then have experiences of being around more people and, you know, sort of grow from there. And the irony is now that she doesn't come and hasn't come to any of the meetups for years, <laughs> she doesn't come along and, uh, and I do it all by myself, but you know, I do it because I, I felt that that sense of support and that in all levels of life, when, when we feel supported, we can achieve greatness in whatever way we feel supported, then it just can turn our life around. So, um, you know, I, I think I want to make a general statement there that if there's somebody that you feel that you can support and it'll make a difference to their life, do it. Because just that little, just that little bit of encouragement, you know, that the difference that that can make to that person can change the rest of their life, the course of their life. So yeah. I'm living proof of it. <laughs> That's such a wonderful story. And I think it's so nice that you also found a way to curate and, you know, create your own space in which you could get more comfortable being a little bit more public, yeah. because I think there's a lot of value to what you do with the live streams and the podcasts and the meetup. I think that you really bring a lot of support to people and a lot of information and you know, I think that you're helping to build a community with that. And that's so important. Thank you. Yeah. And let me just also say that um, there's still a lot of stuff I don't do. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of invites in probably, and probably still the majority of invites I actually turn down. And uh, if they're, you know, like a public type of thing, I get invited to talk uh, publicly and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I, I turn them down. There's a lot of stuff that I just say, look, no, I'm, I've put myself in that position and I did not handle it very well. So we have to know our limitations and work, you know, work with our limitations and not go hard on ourselves. I've, I've been down that track for too many decades in the past, gone really, really hard on myself. It mm. doesn't help. It doesn't help 
us individually. It doesn't help our relationships. It doesn't help our health uh, mentally or physically. You know, we really have to be kind to ourselves and just accept that we are who we are. We're beautiful who we are. We're, you know, we've got our talents, use our talents, you know, and realize that we're worthy. We're always going to be children of the universe that are unconditionally loved. We have so much worth and, you know, just, just embrace that. And, uh, it's, I, look, it's not easy to do, but, but, you know, just one day at a time, you know, remind ourselves every day how worthy we are. So. Oh, 100%. I completely agree. I think that we really, we all need to be kinder to ourselves because yes. especially if you're someone who is yes. vegan or wanting to go vegan, or you're wanting to be more zero waste, you're out there trying to live an intentional and kind life and you're not extending that to you. You need to do yes. that. Yeah. I mean, we could do, I could speak for hours about this because it's, it's one of the, you know, one of the many subjects that, that I find um, crucial because we are living with ourselves, you know, d despite all the relationships we have externally at the end of the day, we go to sleep at night with our own thoughts and it's mm -hmm. just us with our thoughts. And we really are doing a dis disservice to ourselves. We are not working on, the health of those thoughts and, and how, you know, how we connect from them outwards into the rest of our external world. So we really, you know, wherever I go in the world, I'm taking myself with me and I really need to be having a pretty damn good relationship with myself. <laughs> Otherwise I'm just going to be taking all my baggage with me as well, you know, and so psych the psychology of the way people think um, has fascinated me from the youngest age. And it's right up there with veganism in, in it's, you know, it's something I, I do live stream about quite a lot because I do uh, bicycle live streams on the weekend because I love riding yeah. a bicycle. I get out there and I often talk on uh, issues relating to uh, spiritual connection and our mental health, our emotional health and um, relating to each other and how it's not distinct from the way we relate to animals. It's, it's all connected. This is the thing. It's all ahimsa. It's all compassion in all areas. It's an energy that we resonate in ourselves. That means that when we are connected internally um, and focused on the, on that compassion, we automatically feel for the animals automatically. We don't have to think about it. We feel for each, we feel for uh, each other. We feel for our friends, our family. We feel for our enemies. We see how much our enemies are hurting. They're hurting inside. That's why they want to throw that hurt out outwards. We, we feel that automatically towards, you know, all other living beings. And we instantly and automatically become vegan. <laughs> mm, yeah and all that comes from a heart connection which we have to have so because i know unfortunately some of us um that have been vegan say a long time can become very frustrated looking at the world and saying wow you know it's not changing quickly enough there is still a lot of animals that are being just you know mistreated and just the abuse and the suffering is just it's beyond comprehension and I, and out of that frustration of seeing the world not changing fast enough, you know, people can become angry and want to see a change happen sooner. Unfortunately, and I, so I understand that, but unfortunately in wanting the world to change, we have to be the change ourselves, as Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm. And, um, and we have to be the ambassador of compassion ourselves. We have to resonate that compassion so that others look at us and go, damn, I want some of what he's having. <laughs> yes. You know, because, yeah. because he's radiating a piece or she's radiating a piece 
that I'm not feeling, but but I'm picking up on it from them. And I want to so, you know, that's the sort of people we want. And we've got some really good examples of that. James Aspie is a really good example of that. We've got Joey Carbstrong's another good example of that. We've got um, Earthling Ed in the UK. Three, the big three, as I like yeah. to call them, that mm. are just, they just stay compassionate. And even in difficult situations, and I've learned so much from them. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, I just admire anyone's ability to focus on what is important, which is, which is compassion all the time. And then yeah. go from there because I'll just finish off on that. <laughs> I, I can ramble. I'll just finish <laughs> off by saying my greatest, my greatest hero has always been Gandhi and, and Gandhi's approach of nonviolence and his, his adherence to ahimsa. And so his, what he taught in being able to stay compassionate, even when physically provoked or attacked and put in violent situations is just the most amazing example of how when you're at peace in yourself that that peace in yourself will just will just be your protection it yeah. will just and it'll just work miracles and people can come up and throw things at you and literally throw things at you and you are in such a state of peace that you are just like their, their stuff is just bouncing off you, mm. you know? that's the mm. that's the ultimate if we had a world populated by people at, at that point of heart connection <laughs> oh yeah. wow wow we would be living in a world of ahimsa and it would be a vegan world because there would be no possibility of anyone wanting to create any harm for any mm -hmm. other living being yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that's such a beautiful point to end on. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Harry. Thank you so much. I've had so much pleasure talking to you. Thank you. That was Harry Bowman from Vegan Life Podcast, formerly The Vegan Hour. You can check out his podcast below. I've got a link in the show notes. You can also check him out on Facebook where he does live streams as well. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. I thought it was a really good one. I was really interested to hear Harry's story and the experiences that he's had over the past four decades as a vegan and watching that um, evolution in our society towards more vegan lifestyles and seeing that evolve into the mainstream. It was really interesting. So I hope that you guys enjoyed it too. Hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. We are May Contain Traces of Soy. Let us know what you thought of this one. If you've got any questions, if you've got any topic suggestions for me, you can hit me up there and I'll do a shout out for you on the next show. Thank you so much for being here this week, guys. If you are enjoying the podcast, please do leave a little rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It really helps to push the podcast up there so that more people see it and hopefully spread that non-judgmental vegan message. Thank you for being here this week, guys, and we will catch you in a week.